0: This episode is super special for me, so please stay with us till the end. I'm Sergio Martinez Beltran.
1: I'm Rachel Iacovone, and you're listening to The Tri Star State, a conversation about Tennessee politics from Nashville Public Radio.
0: This is the episode for the week of March 7th, 2021. Let's talk Tennessee politics. Hi, Sergio. Hey, Rachel. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I am excited. Dolly Parton got vaccinated, so it's great.
1: (laughs) Well, you could say that she got a taste of her own medicine. Ooh, good one. Those who don't know, she gave a million-dollar donation to Vanderbilt, who helped with the vaccine distribution. Well... Okay, so now we have to get serious and talk about the latest controversy in the Tennessee legislature. This one has to deal with the removal of a judge. Republican Representative Tim Rudd wants Nashville Chancellor Ellen Hobbs Lyle to be booted out of her position. So tell us what's happening, said he.
0: Yeah, I mean, this is a very significant piece of legislation. Granted, it is a resolution, not a bill, but it's important. In summary, Rachel, 67 out of the 73 House Republicans have signed on to this resolution. And they're doing this because they're mad at Lyle for briefly expanding absentee voting in the state last year.
1: Have they removed a judge over a ruling in the past?
0: That's a great question, and the answer is no. It is very rare for a judge to be removed from office, and it mostly happens in instances where a judge has been convicted of a criminal charge. For example, the last time a judge was removed in Tennessee was in the early 1990s, and that Memphis judge was convicted of federal charges for sexually preying on women who worked for him or who appeared in front of his court. So again, removing a judge is something very serious.
1: And the Tennessee Bar Association has come out against the resolution.
0: Right. They say this proposal would threaten the independence of the court. And, you know, they say it would create a precedent that any time a judge rules against the state or renders a politically unpopular decision, that decision could potentially trigger removal proceedings against that judge.
1: What are the chances of this judge actually being removed?
0: Well, Democrats say she won't be removed because the push is unconstitutional. But like we mentioned, the Republican supermajority in the House has signed on to it. However, in the Senate, there is no push to remove Judge Lyle, at least for now. And based on my conversations, Rachel, with some Senate Republicans, there doesn't seem to be an appetite for that. But, you know, anything can happen during this legislative session.
1: But it's already having an effect.
0: Right. Judge Lyle has recused herself from an important case involving school funding in the state. That's an issue that puts Shelby and Davidson counties at odds with the state government over how much money urban districts get over rural. So it could make a lot of people mad, especially lawmakers. You know, Lyle has overseen that case since 2018, but she decided to step away from the case a few days after the resolution was filed.
1: proposal to remove Nashville Judge Ellen Hobbs-Lyle, besides being controversial, has also been described as unconstitutional by some critics. Sergio spoke to MTSU's political science professor, Dr. John Vile, about this issue. The constitutional expert says it could set a dangerous precedent.
0: Dr. John Vile, thank you so much for joining us today. It's a pleasure
2: to be
1: here.
0: So let's talk about this resolution that would set the process to remove Nashville Judge Ellen Hobbs-Lyle for ruling against the state on the issue of absentee voting last year. I mean, uh, is this even legal to remove a judge over this?
2: Well, there is a provision in the state constitution, uh, article five for impeachment, and it includes judges. The way I read it, and it's not as clear as it might be, but it's impeachment is for someone who commits any crime in their official capacity. Uh, I think it would be a large stretch to say that someone's interpretation of the constitution, unless they're interpreting that of the USSR or whatever, you know, would, would, would be a crime. And by the way, it also requires a two thirds vote of, of both houses of both houses of the legislature. So, you know, asking for something to be done and actually carrying it out would probably two, two quite different things.
0: And this is very rare because I was doing some research here, and last time a judge was removed in Tennessee was in the early 1990s. That was Memphis Chancery Judge David W. Lanier, who was booted after being convicted of federal charges stemming from accusations that he sexually preyed on women who worked for him or who had to appear in front of his court. But Judge Lyle has not been accused or charged with any criminal offense.
2: Well, again, going, going back to the state constitution, She would have to have committed a crime in her official capacity, and she clearly has not done that.
0: And, and I want to, again, set a little bit this context because Judge Lau ruled to expand absentee voting, but later the Tennessee Supreme Court overruled her decision or at least part of her decision after after the state agreed to allow uh, those with underlying health conditions to vote absentee. But some folks see this Tennessee Supreme Court decision, uh, Dr. Bao, as an example of how Lau's initial ruling was wrong and might think, huh, she was wrong. She was legislating from the bench. That's why the Tennessee Supreme Court... Overruled her decision. But I mean, this is part of the appeals process, right? This is, this is how it works.
2: You know, I've read the decision, which you kindly supplied to me. It's a very well reasoned decision. Um, it's not nearly as liberal as it could have been. She did not mandate, as in Washington or Oregon, that the state has to send absentee ballots to everyone. She simply, she, she actually decided two issues. One was, you know, could you request a ballot, an absentee ballot, and get it if you had coat, you were a patient, or you were a caregiver, and she said yes, and the the Tennessee Supreme Court later said yes as well. Now, she extended it to say uh, that she thought you ought to be able to get an absentee ballot if you were afraid that because masks were not being required at the time in polling booths, You know, if you thought that was a danger to you, that you should also be able to request them. And frankly, I don't know why that would be any less compelling than someone who says, well, I'm not going to be in town that day, so I'd like an absentee ballot. There are two points to make. One is the system has a remedy, which, as you say, it was appealed to another court. And frankly, if it involved a federal issue, which it may very well have, it could have even been appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. The second point is, you know, when a, judge, when a judge is making a ruling on an issue on something like voting rights, that's not simply a matter of what's the law on the books in Tennessee. That's a matter of interpreting the state, state and federal constitutions. And as it turns out, and as the judge mentioned in her, report, in her original decision, the Tennessee provision for voting rights is actually broader than the U.S. Constitution, you know what what this representative seems to be suggesting is that you ought to forget that we have a Tennessee Constitution or a U.S. Constitution and just go by the letter of the current law. And that, you know, if we're gonna if we're gonna do that, we might as well just kiss the system of checks and balances, you know, separation of
0: powers goodbye. I want to ask you about chilling effect? Because the Tennessee Bar Association says that if successful, and we know it's it's hard, there's like a high standard for this to happen, but if successful, this resolution would create a chilling effect in the administration of justice in Tennessee. What does that mean? Can you explain chilling effect? Because we always talk about it, but, but I want you to break it down for us.
2: Chilling effect, that term is most frequently used in First Amendment law. So, you know, you have a law Uh, prohibiting, you know, let's say you have a law prohibiting seditious speech and you call somebody up and they're not eventually, they're not ultimately convicted. But the next person, when they think about, you know, what am I going to write in an editorial, what am I going to say on the radio has to say, well, I want to go through all of that. You know, is there a chance that this law is going to be applied to me? And the same thing here applies to judges. You know, if every time they make an unpopular decision, you know, i I I sometimes wish they would make some more unpopular decisions because I think, you know, I'm more concerned about are they enforcing the Constitution than whether I happen to agree with their particular decision. And, you know, let me add something else. In Tennessee, judges are ultimately subject to that they're elected. If if she would start issuing, uh, you know, a plethora of decisions that just seem way out in left field, first, she's likely to be Corrected by the Tennessee Supreme Court or the U.S. Supreme Court, but even beyond that, when she comes up for reelection next time, certainly if she does, you know that's certainly something that would be a valid consideration for voters.
0: Dr. Jun Bow is a professor of political science and the dean of the Honors College at Middle Tennessee State University. Thank you so much for joining us. You're welcome.
1: All right, said Hill. This is it. It's a very bittersweet moment. But for those who don't know, this is the last time you are hosting the TriStar State.
0: Yep. This is very weird for me too, Rachel. You know, uh, it's been the honor of my life to cover Tennessee politics and serve as the host of this wonderful space. You know, I'm so thankful to all of you. And I'm also extremely grateful for Chaz Sisk, who has been our fearless editor, but also my mentor and my guide. And to Jason Moon-Wilkins, yep, that guy who used to be the co-host of this podcast and is running our sister station, WNXP. And of course, Rachel, I'm grateful for you. You know, your intelligence and professionalism and your sense of humor have made this podcast way, way, way better.
1: Before you go, can you tell us finally, candidly and honestly, <laughs> how was it covering Tennessee politics?
0: Well, it's been intense. You know, I started covering Tennessee politics in September of 2018, uh, right in the middle of the race for U.S. Senate between Governor Phil Redison and now Senator Marsha Blackburn. As many of you know, that race turned to be the most expensive one in the history of the state. And then I started covering the legislature in 2019 and reported on the ascension and quick fall of House Speaker Glenn Cassada. And of course, I also covered the tornadoes, the pandemic and the presidential debate in 2020. So it's been a heck of a ride. And, you know, if I may say this, Rach, uh, you know, We are always holding politicians accountable and pushing back on their narratives and poking holes in their stories. And that's the way it should be. And, you know, some of them have refused to talk to us because we are doing our jobs. And that is a shame. But at the same time, there are many of them who are willing to answer our questions, even when they are uncomfortable. And to them, I have to say thank you, because Tennesseans deserve answers. And your willingness to accept an interview request means that you are understanding That we elected you, and your job is not to hide, but to represent and to respond to us, the people.
1: Well said, as always, Sergio. Pa'lante.
0: Pa'lante. Gracias.
1: And we'll keep holding politicians accountable here at WPLN News. However, we are going to make some changes to the TriStar State as it starts a new chapter. So stay subscribed.
0: And the best way to do that is to sign up at WPLN.org slash TriStar or on your favorite podcasting app. This episode was produced by me, Sergio Martinez Beltran. Kendall Crawford contributed to the reporting of it. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you.